It's been said that every quilt tells a story, and it's so true. But I also believe every quilter has a story to tell. I wanted to hear about the people behind these wonderful quilts and thought you'd enjoy hearing about their lives also. Welcome to A Quilter's Life. I'm very excited to bring this episode to you for several reasons. One is that this is the 100th episode of A Quilter's Life. We've been able to reach this milestone because of you listening and because of all the wonderful quilters that agreed to be interviewed. Each episode has been wonderful. I'm so happy that Lura Wilcoxon is my guest on this episode. Lura is local to where I live, and although we live in a relatively small community, I never would have met her if it wasn't for a quilter's life. She told me that she didn't think she had anything interesting to say, but when I hear someone say that, I know I'm going to listen to a beautiful story. And I was right. Lura and I had a fantastic visit. Lura, thanks so much for having me today and being on A Quilter's Life. Thank you for inviting me. It's great to get to know you. Thank you. I wanted to start with your name. It's very interesting as you spell it a little bit differently and it's pronounced slightly differently. Tell me about that, please. It's my grandmother's name, my maternal grandmother, because my middle name is my paternal grandmother's name. So my full name is Laura Bernice, and I'm very proud to have her name. How neat. And tell me how you pronounce it so we make sure it's right. (laughs) It's spelled L-U-R-A, and it's pronounced Laura. It's so neat. (laughs) Thank you. Tell me about where you were born and raised. I was born and raised in Belpre, Ohio, not far from here. And I lived there most of my life up until high school. And my family moved to a little town called Little Hawking, which is right outside of Belpre. And I finished high school there. And then afterwards, I raised my kids, both my boys, in Belpre, and then later on moved to Marietta. And just recently, I moved to Williamstown, West Virginia. So I haven't left the area at all. I've stayed right here. It's all within what, a half hour radius or yes, an hour? Yes, every bit. Yes, 20 mm-hmm. miles probably. <laughs> And can you tell me about a special childhood memory you may have had growing up? I just remember how much fun it was to live in the town of Belpre. We spent our time, especially in the summer times, on our bicycles. And we would get up in the morning and eat breakfast and get on our bikes and ride all day long until time to come in at supper time. And it was a small enough town that we could just ride. It was very safe. All the other parents watched out for the children. And it was a wonderful place to grow up. And I still have friends who live in the area that I started first grade with. And we keep in touch. 
Wow. How neat is that? It is neat. Tell me about your employment. I have always been in education in one form or another. I started working as a library assistant at Washington State Community College in Marietta. And while I was there working, I decided to start taking a few classes. Found out I loved it and I wanted to continue. So I finished my associate's degree there and went on to Ohio Valley University. It was Ohio Valley College at the time and finished my bachelor's there in business. And while I was finishing my bachelor's, I started teaching part-time in the night school at Washington State. So once I got my bachelor's, I taught more classes. I was hoping to get on full-time, but that wasn't possible. So I just taught for a number of years in the night school. Which school was that you taught at? I taught at Washington State. And then later on, I left Washington State and went to OVU and worked there in uh, financial aid and student services. And I was there for almost nine years. So I've always been in education somehow. (laughs) I love it. How did it feel to retire? I retired because a dear family member was diagnosed with cancer, brain cancer, and I wanted to be able to be there for him. So I retired, and after he passed, I realized I wasn't ready to retire. So I went back to OVU for a short time, and then I just started working part-time at part-time jobs, and I also substitute taught for Marietta City Schools for a while. But eventually I just decided I was ready to take up other hobbies, one of which was quilting. (laughs) Besides quilting, what other crafts do you do or have you done? Well, my grandmother, who I was named for, taught me to embroider. So I embroidered quite a lot. And then a close friend taught me to crochet. And I loved that. And let's see, I, I do puzzles, jigsaw puzzles. I'm addicted. And lately, I've taken up sand casting. And that is molding a concrete mixture to natural leaves like elephant ear leaves or rhubarb, larger leaves. And I love doing that. And I make them for friends. I make them as gifts. Haven't ever sold any, just usually give them away. Mm -hmm. But it's lots of fun. And you mentioned painting them? Yes. You make a mound of sand, like any kind of sand, 
and you cover that mound with plastic wrap, and then you lay the leaf face down on the plastic wrap, and on the back of the leaf, you form the concrete mold. It's a vinyl concrete mixture that you you mix up. It has a consistency of brownie batter. Hmm. And you put it on in small batches onto the back of the leaf because that's where all the veining is. And you leave it to cure for two to three days. And then you turn it over and peel off the leaf. And it leaves all of the deep veins and all of the detail of the front of the leaf in the concrete. They're just beautiful. And then I paint them. I'm not a painter by any means. So I try to work from pictures and try to get the colors just right. But I have friends who do the same thing and they like using bright, bold, not natural greens, not the natural colors. And they're beautiful either way. So I do my best. They sound so cool. They are. Any other hobbies? I love to walk and ride my bicycle. And I love to garden. I have lots of flower gardens in my yard. So I'm always digging in the dirt. And I love to do that. And do you have a favorite flower or just depends on the year? I like everything. (laughs) I like all the seasons, so I try to do as much as I can outside, no matter which season it is. Have fun. Yeah, it is. Now, you mentioned your grandmother taught you to embroider. Did she teach you to quilt or how did you start quilting? No, but when she passed, she left me some quilt blocks that she had embroidered. And each one is a different color. They're large 18 by 18 blocks. And the picture she embroidered is a lilac blossom with a butterfly. So I kept them for years and I always promised myself When I retire, I'm going to learn how to quilt, and I'm going to put them in a quilt. So that was my very first quilt I ever did. And it looks like a first time. (laughs) (laughs) But I love it because it was, you know, it's a way to remember her. Yeah. So I take it you still have that quilt. I do. It's hanging in my quilt room up on a quilt rack so I can see it every time I go in. Nice. But then later on, I actually took classes so I could do it the right way. And it's much easier now that I did that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm always curious. So before the class, what kind of seam did you use? Did you know to use a quarter inch or did you use them? No, (laughs) I didn't know anything. I had sewn as a teenager and tried to make my own clothes for a while. So I was familiar with my sewing machine, but no, I didn't know that you had to use a quarter inch seam. And 
So it's much easier now. Uh huh. Yeah, I remember them telling me, just use the quarter inch. I'm thinking, it's going to come apart. <laughs> right. That's right. You do think that. <laughs> Describe your favorite quilt. Well, I'd have to say my favorite is the one I made with my grandmother's blocks. But I've made others, too, that I really, really enjoy. And every one I make, I don't have a certain pattern or anything that I enjoy. I love doing new patterns and learning new classes. And I've taken classes down at the Bolts and Quarters quilt shop. And they're so good about offering new patterns all the time so you can branch out and try new things and all. But I did make one that's called 1863. And it is a pattern that is fashioned from an original pattern that was done in 1863. Oh, wow. And as soon as I saw it, I just fell in love with it. And it called for the fabrics that were used back then, the small, tiny prints and the gingham and it's beautiful. So I would say that's probably my favorite. When you're quilting, do you lean toward a certain color palette? I do, and I try to steer myself away. I love all shades of blues and fall colors. I tend to use fall colors more than any other I decorate my house with fall colors, and I just find them very warm and comforting and comfortable. And so I try to branch out. I made a quilt during the COVID outbreak that was red, white, and blue, and that was a real struggle (laughs) for me, just because I think the colors were so different. Mm -hmm. But I enjoyed it. It was called Razzleberry, and it's beautiful. How about a favorite tool? Is there a tool that you just don't think you could do without? Probably my seam ripper. (laughs) (laughs) Seems like I use it on every quilt I make in one way or another. But after I took my first quilting class... I decided I needed a new sewing machine. So I bought a Baby Lock Jubilant. It's probably my favorite tool. It is so easy to use and has so many features on it that it just makes quilting fun. So that's probably my favorite tool. For my own interest... Did you get that at Bolts and Quarters? (laughs) I did. (laughs) They have a way of letting you try their samples, and you fall in love with them. Yeah. Yeah. I did. And I'm curious, how big's the throat on that? Do you know? I know. Not as big as I need. (laughs) (laughs) I want to take 
uh, some classes this winter on ruler quilting. Learn how to ruler quilt. And you do need a big throat and a table. So I've found out that there are attachments that you can buy to make it bigger. Huh. I'm sure I'll have to buy one. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have a favorite part of the process, or do you like each step? I've never really created my own pattern yet. I don't feel like I'm up to that yet. There are way too many patterns out there for me to try (laughs) that I can rely on, but... Probably piecing it together. I think that's satisfying after you've spent so much time cutting and cutting and cutting and cutting. And then to start see it take shape is exciting to me. I like that part. Now, do you cut all the different pieces out and then start sewing? Or do you do some cutting and put that part together and then cut again? For the most part... I cut them all to make sure. I have tried it the other way and found out I didn't buy enough fabric and then had to go back and try to find it. And there's been times where I couldn't find enough. So I had to substitute. So I've kind of taught myself to cut them all out, make sure I have enough before I start putting it together. But it's tempting to start sewing. Because you want to see what it looks like. Yeah. <laughs> what was your worst quilting experience? <laughs> oh, my goodness. It was funny, actually. I am in a quilting group. We call ourselves the Sewing Nomies. I don't know why, but we do. And actually, all the ladies in the group were in my first quilting class. And we all got the bug, so now we love it. And we decided we would all make the same pattern. It was a disappearing nine patch, and that's a common pattern, very common. And our leader, Beth, she told us, you know, this is a good one to start out on. It's simple, and it's... By the time we finished that class, everyone in the class hated their quilt. Oh, no. I don't know why, other than the patches are laid on a diagonal. And for some reason, all of us found it so difficult to see it. Although we had an example on the wall to go by, we would sew it together and then rip it apart, and then sew it together. And it got to be funny. I mean, we laughed. And we would come together and work as a group, and then take it home, and come back and tell each other our horror stories about ripping it out. So I felt better because it wasn't just me. I wasn't the only one struggling. The whole class struggled. But it's a beautiful quilt now that I have it finished. It's beautiful, but I'll always remember using that seam ripper again and again. (laughs) What do you think has drawn you to quilting? What makes you want to quilt? 
instead of spending your time doing something different? I think it's the history behind quilting. I've read a lot of books about how quilting was first done. And I'm amazed to think about our pioneer ladies who had nothing to use but feed sacks and rags and whatever they were able to come up with. To be able to hand piece a quilt and make them large enough, you know, to wrap your children in in the cold winters. And I just find it fascinating. I have a quilt pattern that I want to do. I've had it for years. It's in a book form, and it's called the Underground Quilt. And I will do that someday. But the book actually comes with a video. It tells the story of the underground quilt, and each block tells a different story according to the Underground Railroad. And I just love reading that book, and I love the story. And the area that I live in is part of the Underground Railroad. We were in the free part, Ohio, the Crossing the Ohio River meant freedom to the slaves. So I love the history of this area, and a lot of it has to do with the Underground Railroad. So I think that's my next big project, and it will take a long time to do. Mm -hmm. But I'm looking forward to it. Neat. Who do you usually make your quilts for? Well, up until recently, I would make them and give them away for different reasons. I make an Alzheimer quilt every year for our walk that's in September. It's coming up here in a few weeks. I make one and then auction, well, I sell tickets to make money for the Alzheimer's Foundation. So I do that every year. I've made them for family members. All my grandchildren have one. I have a new great-grandchild, Elijah, and he's just turning a year old, so he has his own quilt with his name embroidered on it. But lately, I've run out of people (laughs) really to give them to, so I'm trying to make a few that I want to keep for myself. Isn't it amazing we make all these quilts and then realize we don't have hardly any? True. That's very true. (laughs) But I'm sure I'll find other people to give them to. And describe what you're working on right now. I have some patterns that I downloaded. I work with a website. It's called Annie's Crafts. And some of her patterns are available online, and you can download them and print them off. So I just downloaded some Halloween patterns and a couple for Christmas. So hopefully 
I'll get to start on them soon and get them completed before Halloween, which is coming up quickly. Yeah. But I just finished one behind you. My oldest son is a beekeeper, and he has quite a few beehives. And I've read a lot about it, and it's fascinating. So I just finished my bee quilt. That's so neat. And the quilting on it, I see bees and flowers, too. Yes. Did you do that on your domestic machine? No, I didn't. I actually had a friend quilt it for me. She has a long arm machine, which I'd love to own, but it's a little pricey for me. So when I want them to look really (laughs) well done, I give it to her, and she does a fabulous job. Yes, she does. She always picks a pattern. I never have to tell her or suggest anything. She knows just from the fabrics I use, which pattern to use. And the bees that she used, the honeybees are cute. I just love it. And the fabrics you chose on there go so well together. That's great. Thank you. I thought so too. And they're fall colors once again, so so that's a keeper. I'm going to keep that one. <laughs> Share a, a quilting tip with me. You know, it, it's funny. I think every pattern I make, I learn something new. But probably my biggest tip would be to make sure you've purchased enough fabric so you don't run out like we talked to before. I've done that two or three times, and then I've had to stop and backtrack and rethink my pattern because I can't find that fabric anymore. So probably just cut all your pieces out first, (laughs) I would say, before you start sewing. I'm laughing because I do it the other way. (laughs) Do you really? Have you ever run out? No. Uh, Well, one one I did, but I was making half-square triangles, and it was more scrappy, so I was able to pull from my stash and fill in. So that worked, but other ones, yeah. Yeah. I was excited when... Like I mentioned, after interviewing Ashley Montgomery, I started looking into the local walk, and that's how I found you. Yes. And so I wanted to ask you how you got involved with the walk to end Alzheimer's. Well, my grandmother, who I was named for, and my mother... And my sister all died with Alzheimer's. And my grandmother, who taught me to embroider, when she could no longer live at home, my grandfather just wasn't able to take care of her. She moved in with us, and I watched my mom take care of her. And it made a lasting impression on me. So I started doing research. I wrote a number of papers while I was in college on Alzheimer's and found that 
it tends to run on the female side of the family. And then watching my mom, and I took care of her until she passed away. And then I was with my sister when she passed. So it's just something that I feel like I need to dedicate my time and effort to find a cure. I think we're so close now that maybe in my lifetime we'll have a survivor, I hope. Every year we do a survivor tree or something to bring about the idea that we're that close. We're that close to finding a cure or even being able to slow it down until a cure is found. So I just feel that it's a worthy cause and it's something I want to spend my time doing. So I've helped with a number of walks in the years past. And I'm so glad you're on my team this yeah. year. It's wonderful. <laughs> oh, that was exciting. Funny how it came about. but it, <laughs> I think it was exciting. meant to be. Yeah. I really do. Yeah. And then we found out. We were both quilters. Yeah, when I saw sewing gnomies, my thought was, well, at least they sew. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we should be called the quilting gnomies. I I hate for you to change your name. (laughs) But it was close enough that I contacted you, and it was so exciting to find out. Oh, they're quilters. Wow. You did, and I'm, I'm so glad you did. I hope some other members in my club can walk this year Mm -hmm. we didn't get to walk last year because of COVID Mm -hmm. so as of right now we're walking and it's wonderful I'm looking forward to it it's a great day if anyone ever has the chance to just attend one of the walks it's very moving to hear the stories family stories and It's encouraging to know that there are that many people out there working for the cause. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that's all I had listed, but part of why I do this is so that you have things that you want your family to know about you, so future generations have this. (laughs) Is there anything you would like to add that you would want your family to know about I've raised two wonderful sons, and they've just been the light of my life. We've had many struggles, but we've stayed close, and I hope we can. Although we're spread out, I have one son who lives nearby, but my other son is currently living in England right now. So he's crossed the pond and we have to text to keep in touch, but they've been a blessing. I've been very blessed in my life. Family means everything. Mm-hmm. So, Your son that's over in England, did you get to visit him? I did. I actually visited this year. I went over in the end of March and the 1st of April. I had planned to go last year right before COVID hit. So I had to wait a year, but I went over and it was wonderful. They had lifted the restrictions right as I got there. So 
many of the places we wanted to visit were still closed, but we were able to get out and walk and drive and see as much of the country as we could pack into three weeks. And we did. We traveled and traveled, and it was wonderful to spend three weeks with him and see the country. And he loves it. He came home for a short time this summer and actually signed up for three more years, and now he's back. So he loves it there, and I can see why. It's just a gorgeous, gorgeous country. And you mentioned before something about their gardens. Yes. He got me thinking about trying to start a perennial English garden. So as soon as I came home, I tried one. He has, where he lives, beautiful gardens in the front and the back of his home, his property. They're walled gardens. Most of the properties have gardens. Their yards aren't nearly as big as ours. They're small. So they have to be very choosy about the plants that they choose. I took quite a few pictures. I saw a lot of plants I had never seen before, and I wanted to check out and see if they could be grown over here. But the gardens were just breathtaking. And as you walked the brick and cobblestone streets and the lanes between the homes, you would see ladies out in the gardens tending them all the time. It's something that they do a lot of, and you can tell because they're just beautiful. So I've started one. We'll see if it makes it through the winter. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> oh, that will be so neat. hope so. Oh, thanks so much. This was so much fun. Thank you. It was fun. You can find more stories on aquilterslife.com or subscribe on your favorite podcast player so each episode will be downloaded automatically. Also, I want to hear about you and your wonderful quilts. Please contact me, Paula Chamberlain, through the website to set up an interview. And as always, thanks for listening. <laughs>